Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here. My pronouns are they, them. And today we're talking to Soup, creator of As I Imagine the Falling Rain, a game which we played as part of our first season of Solo. Uh, Soup, would you mind introducing yourself further for our audience? Yeah, of course. Hello. My name is Soup. That is what people call me on the internet. Uh, my pronouns are also they, them. And I kind of do a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I make games occasionally. I have a podcast where I talk about anime and other things. It's not just anime, I promise. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, I, I feel like that's pretty good. Excellent. Uh, so I like to start with a question about why you first started making games. So what was what did that look like for you? What was the first sort of foray into game design for you? That's interesting because I think I have been playing tabletop games for uh, 6-ish years, 6-7 years now. Uh, I definitely started with D&D. I think that's a pretty like it's a pretty common story. Um, I started with D&D. I started uh, GMing 5th edition when it came out. Um, and that was my sort of first experience um, on that side of the table. Hang on, 5th and edition came out six years ago? Yeah, something like five or six years ago. It's, yeah, it, it has been a... <laughs> I, I'm looking at the, the look on your face, and I know I feel the same. Wow, so, I'm... I feel both right. like I have been playing games longer, but also like I couldn't have because I'm. It's 2019. I couldn't have started playing games before 2010. But no, I mean, it, yeah, it, wow. yeah, it's it's kind of wild to think about that. But I started um, homebrewing some stuff. I, I started tinkering with some stuff in there, uh, and that was kind of where I first was able to like see how these pieces kind of are put together. But it wasn't really until I got into uh, college that I actually started making games. And uh, this is an interesting story because the only reason that I ever like had that initial push to actually move into making a game was because my university actually offered a an experimental tabletop game design course. Ooh. So I... Yeah, right? So I took that. It's because our school was known for having a very robust game design program. Um, and so I took that, and the aim of that was basically just to familiarize, uh, familiarize yourself with the, um, the general sort of tabletop space. Um, and at that point, I was already pretty familiar with it um, because I had been online in, in that sort of space, like at least adjacent to it. Because um, I watched a lot of, uh, I watched a lot of stream games um, you know, Jim by, uh, by Adam Coble. And it's actually another funny story is that part of the reason, um, I was ever really in this space at all was, was because I eventually became, um, a mod for Adam's discord and his oh, nice. Twitch. So that's, I'm currently still doing that. Um, but that was kind of the, the reason I was so familiar with the space. And from there, um, I was able to get into this course, which was a higher division course. You know, you had to be technically a game design major, to, to take the course um, unless you, you got like the ad code from, from the professor. So I actually, you know, went and talked to her and, you know, I managed to get into this class and uh, yeah. So the, the whole course was about 10 weeks and we just had to familiarize ourselves with uh, game design, tabletop game design, and then make a game. So I made my first game, which is on itch. It's called um, first contact. 
It is about a human and an alien in a high school setting falling in love in really kind of awkward ways. I am here for that. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard it described as like if um, it's, it's like, a, uh, like an anime high school consenticles is what I've heard. Yeah, so somebody actually got me consenticle for um, my birthday last year because they got backed it on Kickstarter and gotten themselves two copies, so they gave me one. Nice, um, nice, yeah. I only played it for the first time recently, and I was surprised by how mechanical it is. I mean, it's a board game, so like board yes, games yeah. lean more toward... like A problem that I often have with a board game as a person that really enjoys role-playing is that... In role-playing, if I follow whatever the core conceit narrative-wise is, I will normally do fine in the game. So, like, Dungeons & Dragons is about adventuring in a dungeon. Like, if I follow that story path, even if I don't really understand the mechanics of the game, I'll more or less be okay. But sometimes a board game can have a... Uh, a, a conceit that is basically a skin and like following it won't necessarily lead you anywhere. Um, yeah, I, I completely get that. I understand um, that. Yeah. And, and where, I mean, Consentical, I think does this pretty well, but still is primarily like it's so mechanics focused that, um, that I was sort of taken aback by like, this doesn't feel like seducing an alien at all. This just feels like, <laughs> trying to play the most optimal hand of cards collaboratively, which is also a fine game mechanic, but, like, it does not accurately represent what I would imagine the feeling of seducing an alien would feel like. Yeah, I have I have some thoughts about the way that Contenticles works mechanically um, and narratively, but I feel like if we get into that, we'll be here forever. So I'm going to... I'm going to yes. put a pin in that one. <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in that one. That is totally fair. We're not here to talk about Consentical. We are, here, in fact, here to talk about your design work. Uh, thank you uh, for <laughs> steering the ship there for a second. Um, so what, I mean, it, sort of an aside, but what were, what were some of the other things that you made as part of that um, course was it just was it sort of a learn a bunch of stuff and then make a game or were you making a bunch of games throughout the course so it was um the first half of the course was um getting to know games and how the mechanics in those tabletop games function like we played in we broke up into groups and we played games like um uh dogs in the vineyard which i dearly dearly love uh we played um uh, what's that one? What's that one? The uh, Night Witches, I think. Yeah, Night Witches is very good. Yeah, so that that one's also really good. Um, yeah, and and I think we did we did a lot of that. Uh, there was of course the like this is this is the professor's copy of Burning Wheel. If you want to spend eighteen hours this week doing something, here you go. Um, we did not opt to because you know we're still in the middle of university, so you know we don't have uh, time to take a whole new class. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, so that was that was it, and uh, we also did some some group work on on smaller projects. We made a um, an adventure for Dread. Uh, we did. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think ours ours was superhero focused. Like it was about it was about the tension of of young people coming in into their powers in like vaguely horrific ways. That was kind of fun, and 
I don't remember exactly the other things we did. Um, we did some some hacks of, uh, I think, Honey Heist and stuff like that. And then the latter half of it was very focused around, you know, you're making a game and you're learning how to do, like, you know, from, from beg- like conception to finished sort of product where you can, um, you know, you, you learned how to do the formatting. We spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. So that was, that was it. So, you know, the, the thing that came out of that was, was one game, but it's probably like the most refined game that I have on there. Um, not that I have that many games on, on my itch page specifically. I have, I have Yeah. I have, I have this problem where I will write out an entire game and then I will never get around to formatting it. I mean, that's fair. In, in my case, <laughs> I have that problem because I'm bad at like graphic design stuff and I don't know how to make PDFs. Um, I did, that's, however, yep. get around that. Like my, I now know how to make something that is presentable through the use of like zine techniques. Cause like mm, mm-hmm. it's so easy to crop text uh, in a paint document, then it, like type something up on Google docs, then crop screenshot it and then move it into uh, paint and like crop it and add images and things. As long as your background color is the same, like you're pretty, yeah. pretty set. <laughs> um, I, so. I'm definitely of, of a similar mind that I think that the design of the like layout itself is one of the hardest things to do well, which is why I have such, you know, reverence for, for John Harper because his work always looks gorgeous. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. I know that for me, I often, I've had people praise uh, one of the games I made um, and often it's praise of the visual design. And I'm like, I didn't do that. Uh, it says <laughs> it right there in the book that I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I, my, my, my friend and collaborator Finn did that. Um, but it, uh, it is, uh, yeah, like the visual design is so important and like, it's so key. Um, and I think people that have a graphic design knowledge have, or any sort of visual, uh, art, um, digital art rather, uh, I guess visual digital art is probably what I mean, uh, have a immense advantage because you, if you can write game mechanics and do that, like those are the two, like, yeah, that's the two pillars. things that make the game. <laughs> yeah. Like you got it. Like, even if your mechanics are not necessarily amazing and innovative, like that is still, it doesn't always have to be amazing and innovative. Uh, oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about your game, as I imagine, The Falling Rain, obviously. Um, I think it's probably a good opportunity to transition to that because, I mean, visually, it is sparse, but you did make, you very clearly made a choice not to just have it be white on text. Mm -hmm. Um, From what I have seen of it, you have made a couple of conscious choices about the... uh, layout of the game like you've seemed to have made choices about not using capitals i don't know if that was intentional or not but like i'm just going to sort of throw things out and we'll see what how how you go um color wise you've got sort of this like yellowish cream background and then kind of a a light brown i'm partially colorblind so we'll see how accurate these color <laughs> descriptions are and sort of a lightish brown, um, muted orange um, for the text. And then uh, 
and then there's no images or anything like that. You haven't even put in uh, like ASCII art, but you have chosen to break up the text of the game in different ways to sort of one fill out the page i'm guessing but also it sort of gives it holds the eye differently different parts Mm of it um i don't know we'll get on to the actual uh, mechanical or, or the written text in a minute but i'm wondering seeing as we were just talking about graphic design how much of that was what was sort of your thought processes moving through that and like how much of that was I didn't have to, I just didn't think to capitalize it or, um, right. And how much of it was conscious choice, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say before I like kind of start talking about the way that I've designed it, um, if you have any interest in the game whatsoever, I would highly recommend looking through it before you hear anything that I talk about. That is fair. Yeah. Um, It's, it takes not a long time to play the game. So by all means go play it before you, uh, listen to the rest of this interview. Yeah, I would I would say that most of it um, is is consciously chosen. I decided not to use any images just because uh, I kind of I like when images are used as kind of like uh, an anchor for you to um, think about the the sort of visual um, aspect of the of the game, you know, uh, in your mind. But I didn't really want that for this game uh, i kind of wanted it to be very very ambiguous and that kind of courses through the rest of the game design as well um i chose not to have capitals because i think it just um is is better uh this way like i there's, there's something about it that i'm not like a hundred percent sure about but it feels more like kind of just like a basic text terminal to me if there's no capitalization um that's an interesting thought i hadn't considered that yeah, that's 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 kind of the way I was thinking about it. I don't know if I'm like even right about that, uh, but I know that's the way that that I imagine it. Um, the color choices, and I, I will admit this like straight up that uh, I made this game very close to the deadline, and so I did not, I did put thought into how I wanted it to look, but I did not um, take it as far as I necessarily even wanted to, because I think. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this yet. We might have, I definitely mentioned it when I um, played the game, but it, this was made as part of the emotional uh, Mecha Game Jam, arguably the most uh, successful uh, RPG game jam on itch, if not ever. We created, yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, we created a tenth of the total <laughs> physical <laughs> games, uh, RPGs on uh, itch at the end of it, like, uh, something like 90 something plus games were added to, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty, pretty wild to that. And then, you know, a bunch more game jams happened after that. I'm sure that the two are connected. I don't know how directly, but yeah. So mm-hmm. yes. So when you say close to the deadline, you mean close to the deadline right. for the emotional market game for jam. the emotional market game. Yeah. I, the way that I look at it is these two are the sort of primary colors, um, of the game in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, as as I imagine it, but and this was something I did play with, um, but I didn't have a ton of time to to really explore it because uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that when I made this game, I was in the middle of like midterms or something. Uh, it was I was uh, I did not have a ton of time to do, to do this, but I also imagine that there's kind of a and I think you'll see this actually if you go and look at the itch page and the the cover art for the game. 
um, there's kind of like a dark purple blue sort of tone to it. And I wanted that as well, but I couldn't find a way of putting it in in a timely manner that would also look good. I played I played with yeah, some the, stuff and it just didn't the, really work out. The cover image for the game very much looks like a field of stars almost. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh that was that's the way I think of it. I like there is um the kind of image that I'm pulling from and this is this is um how I sort of designed the game in the first place is I kind of pull from this aesthetic that just exists in in my brain that I really want to get out there and this is one where I've always been a little bit continually disappointed with um certain like uh genres of and <laughs> you know what this is this is this almost entirely stems from uh I have uh I was very disappointed when I read the synopsis of an anime once and I watched the anime and it was nothing like I was expecting it to be mm-hmm. and I was very disappointed because it was about somebody who is like um living in a post-apocalyptic like way far post-apocalyptic um place where he's like a junker uh but then it turns out that the post-apocalypse like left all the cities unscathed and he's just like roaming the pristine Tokyo cityscape and fighting like Roomba, like battle Roomba. I don't know. It was a whole thing. And I was very disappointed about it because in my mind, the idea of like uh, mechs persisting after uh, human supervision is very like, it's very um, brown. It's very rust colored, but at the same time, that's contrasted with uh, what I imagine to be like the, the starry night sky um, and like these bright and bright blues and like these dark sort of purples. Ah, so are you saying there that maybe the way the game looks on its page is meant to, to evoke rust? Yes, I, I absolutely chose the text to evoke the image of rust or evoke mm. the color of rust. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. I definitely didn't get that at first, but that doesn't mean that it's not like it's still, I still am here right. for that reasoning. And now and, that I'm looking that's... at it, I'm like, oh yeah, I can kind of see rust. Right, and, and that that's why I, I would encourage people to look through the game first because uh i can't i can, and this is 100 percent. i guarantee you this is 100 percent because my background is in studying literature i kind of want people to form their own perceptions of it before they hear what i have to say because mm-hmm. i think that what i have to say about the game is less important than the way people perceive it yeah no that's fair um i think that that is fair uh 100 um a bunch of the Emotional Mecha Game Jam uh, games that are intended for single play are uh, extremely guided experiences, and I am really here for it. Some more so than others. This is definitely on the um, more guided end, uh, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really cool. Like, this is kind of... Like, when we think of most... RPGs, they, I mean, if you, if your primary experience of RPGs is D and D like D and D is, is often played in a sort of sandbox way, which mm-hmm. I think is actually bad. <laughs> I don't think that D and D necessarily does that very well, but that is often how it's played. Um, whereas this is very scripted. This is like what a, um, almost, it's almost like a visual novel sort of a game in a way in that you're being given prompts and there's, I mean, 
thanks to the fact that you're not limited by a computer, you can have infinite responses, but it's still like you get to a point, there is a prompt. Um, I think that that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And I talked about this when I played the game initially. It feels a lot like a poem. Yes. And if you didn't have the words, a game by soup, just after the title, I wouldn't assume this is a game. I wouldn't assume that I am meant to actually answer these questions because I've read poems before where they have questions in them. And like, you're, by all means, you're meant to think about the questions and maybe answer them internally, but like you don't engage with them in the same way. When it's a game, I am being asked, like by having the word game in there, I am being told that I am meant to interact with and like get my hands on these questions and perhaps give a response to those questions and talk about how the prompts make me feel um, or what they bring to mind as I read them. And uh, yeah, I think just by having the label of this is a game, uh, that actually makes it into a game. Similarly, if you gave this to someone and it said a poem by Soup, they wouldn't play it. They would just read it and be like, oh, wow, this is a really interesting poem. And then you know, their experience of it would be so different. And I really, I wonder um, how, what you think about that, the idea of just the label transforming the work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I went and listened to uh, you playing through it, uh, which made me very happy because I've never listened to anybody play through one of my games like that. Um, And so that was really cool. But I definitely agree that it is so sparse as as a sort of, traditionally understood game that it can be very easy to miss that. And I think that that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I branded this as, as a poem game, like a poetry game, because I, I wanted to invite people to engage with it kind of no matter how they did it. So if they read it and they kind of didn't answer any of the questions and they just took it and they were like thinking about it, right? I think that is just as as valid a way of playing the game as if you you know went through and answer all the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also agree that definitely the fact that it is labeled as a game does change the way that people perceive it. Um, and I made it for the emotional you know mech jam, which was ostensibly for games. So it, it is it is a game by that by that definition. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a prescriptivist, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hundred uh, yeah, percent. Yeah. It is. It is. It is an interactive poem, and I think. Uh, I think framing it as a game, which I mean, it is a game because you call it a game. That is pretty much the way. Uh, that's pretty much how I view art. Like something is art. Something is art, or is a type of art when you describe it as a type right, of art. Yeah. Right. So, like, I can. I like. I can put rocks on a road and call it graffiti. It becomes graffiti because I have defined it as such is kind of how I feel. Um, And so I think the choice to describe this as like describing this as a game, as opposed to an interactive poem or a poem game, as opposed to just a poem or again, Mm -hmm. an interactive poem, like those distinctions prompt you to, react differently. I definitely feel like if it was just described as an interactive poem, people would interact with it in a different way. Yeah. I, I think interestingly, 
I think interestingly, um, and you'll see this if you kind of flip back through my through my Twitter, but uh, the first time that I played this game, I all I did was remove words, right? Ooh. I just I, I made it like a um like one of those like uh you like you know blot out the the bits of a newspaper to make your own poem blackout poetry right blackout poetry that was the first thing that i did to it um and obviously i I don't want that to be the only way that people play it but i think that 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 is also like a very valid way of engaging with it which is why i put it out there um i said wow that would be interesting yeah i'm kind of tempted to play have a go at playing it that way yeah so it it is definitely a game about meaning Right and about meaning making, um, as evidenced by the fact that it, it starts with, well, this is a game, mm. and that that will affect how you perceive it. And I think to to a certain extent, like there's also the fact that I kind of just wanted to write a poem, and it, it actually this is interesting. The the text went through a couple iterations, and I'm not sure if I'm like necessarily the happiest with the way that it came out at the end, but. I think I like it enough that I'm I'm not gonna like tinker with it. But I do I do have a previous draft where um some of the text is different. The beginning the beginning bit, um, against the falling rain, um, you and I danced together, we danced together, we fell, you and I fell, but only I survived. Uh that part is the same, but um I think the questions are sort of different. Um yeah, yeah so certain certain questions are different, certain um bits are, are different. It's I kinda wanted it to be about like the game is about memory to me yeah. at least. And that's kind of the reason that it is formatted the way it is where, you know, you can fill things in or you can black things out or you can, you know, kind of, you can just read it as is. Yeah. And the spacing between like the, it sort of, it opens with like a stanza, I suppose. And then there's mm-hmm. one line gap between you and I fell one line uh, left empty but only I survived. Then there's another line empty and there's another short stanza. Then there's another empty line. And then there is your first question. And then the gaps between most of the questions is three lines. And I think that those choices of the gaps like tells you how much time, like for me, when I was reading it as a game, I'm like these, there's so little here. Everything has to be <laughs> trying to communicate something to me. So, like, the gaps are clearly how long I'm meant to pause. Like, they're, they're moments to breathe and think, um, which is particularly evident because uh, between almost all of the questions, there's a gap of three lines, maybe two lines, hard to tell. Um, and then the gap between the last question and the final line of the game is four, maybe five lines. Um, which suggests a lot more time to me, a lot more time for you to sit and think about what is happening. Um, and then, you know, you say goodbye, uh, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that, it was probably intentional to leave space, but like, it is interesting how when I was looking at it, I'm like, there's like, it's so sparse. Every, I have to latch onto every little detail I can pull out of it, which I guess sort of speaks to what you were talking about with the, um, trying to not put too many leading images in it. Um, Mm -hmm. by keeping it this sparse space, it, it forces you to, uh, or, or it, uh, inclines you towards, uh, pulling more meaning out of even the negative space of the game. Yes, yeah. That <laughs> I I don't remember to be honest if I made the intentional choice to make the last 
uh, gap so big, mm. but I did definitely put enough space that it, it evokes the, the impression that you're supposed to answer these questions. But, you know, at the same time, it's a prompt, but it's not like a command. It's not a mechanic that says you have to answer this question. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's kind of what, what the lines are, are about. Like when I wake, I try to recall and fill in my memories as far as I can manage. Right. It's, you don't have to answer these questions at all. Um, and I don't remember if it was intentional that the last gap is, is so big, but you know, I agree that there is a little bit more time that you spend thinking on it because of that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I didn't even think about the fact that that stanza of the poem could be read as a command. Like I probably internalized that and responded to it, but I didn't actively think, oh yeah, that's the mechanic telling me what I'm going to be doing in the game. I didn't like actively think about that. I just answered these questions as if I was remembering stuff. Actually, yeah, I, think I, I, I think I acted as if I was doing these things in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely... Um, Some of them. I visit the place where I buried my pilot. Like, that was one that I reacted to as if I was doing it in the moment. Right. I, I think that that can be read either way, honestly. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. I remember that I imagined... Yeah. There was the place where I buried my pilot, but there was also... I imagined there being another mech, I think, from memory. Anyway, interesting for sure. Um I know that for me, a lot more of my work has started to include poetry lately. Uh, and I never realized how much I actually was already like trying to put poetic stuff into my games. Um, what's your interest in poetry been like? Like, have you, have you done a lot of poetry, made a lot of poetry before? Or did this sort of just come about as this is what you needed to do in this moment? What has been your relationship to poetry? I guess, in the past. I've written a decent amount of, of poetry, but I think the large sort of majority of it has been for classes. Because mm-hmm. to me, poetry is, is one of those things that um, I, I do enjoy writing it. But to me, I always feel like, <laughs> and this is, this is kind of like a funny, um, a sort of funny uh, anxiety to have, but I always feel like I'm, I'm not actually that good at poetry. Um, it, it always to me feels a little bit like, and this is, this is like the weirdest thing, right? Is I feel like I almost think too much about when I write poetry. I I feel like I kind of have to let go a little bit more. Interesting. Yeah. Like I, I think that a lot of what I do in poetry is, is very deliberate. You know, when, as I was like talking you through how I went through the design process for this, you know, it's, it's pretty evident that, you know, I did a lot of work on, on every sort of aspect of it. But it almost feels a little bit like, you know, if you manufacture it too much, um, there it kind of like starts to eliminate like natural reaction. Mm, okay, yeah, interesting. I don't know. I, I think I've always been that kind of person, though, where um, I have to do things like very deliberately and meticulously. Mm. That is definitely not my approach to almost anything. <laughs> 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 oh, that was the other question I had, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, so you approach... Yeah, okay, that's interesting, though, to think that you feel like you are overthinking when you write poetry. I know that in the past, I've, whenever I've looked at my writing, or when I've looked at a lot of my writing in the when I was younger, I've always looked back and be like, this is uh, dumb. <laughs> like, I feel like I've put... Um, like, I've been too 
dramatic, right? I've been too mm-hmm. over the top, too melodramatic, I suppose. Um, and then like now when I write stuff, I'm like, hey, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like I'm much more aware of like writing to my tone, except when I come up with names. I come up with very overambitious names. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, think, I think that's fine. Um, I, I think it is good to be deliberate about what you're doing and like knowing how the way you choose your words is going to affect the way they're perceived. I think to me, I'm sometimes I feel like I take it too far, which is kind of why I wrote this game like this. I kind of wanted it to be evocative with as little as possible. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think you succeeded. I, I mean, I talked about how much I, uh, liked it. Um, yeah, it's a good game. Um, I wanted to talk about, I mean, you mentioned that you do an anime podcast. Um, I wanted to talk about um, what, I mean, and, it, and your podcast also talks about other things. You did mention that as well. Um, I wanted to ask what, what sort of emotional feeling or about mech genre fiction, whether it be anime mm-hmm. or not, uh, was this game calling upon? Like, I know that, weirdly, my own entry was a response to my mech game that I was already working on, but also kind of a response to Lancer, which is a rather uh, popular, soon-to-be-released mech game, basically mech D&D. So, a lot of my mech games are responses to other mech fiction not necessarily coming directly from me and the fact that like i want to i want romance i want to romance the mech i don't want to romance the blonde princess right yeah there's um there's a game that is i think it's a three-player game that came out for the emotional mech gem that looked really good i don't remember the name of it or who designed it but that was one of the sharpest pieces to me Mm. In, in terms of uh, that. Yeah, I was really interested. I was very conflicted about what to do uh, as my like emotional core for the game. I think to me, it, it does. Um, I did want to do something um, about like something after the fact, right? You know, this is about, this is about memory. It's about thinking about things that did happen already um, and how you kind of cope with that. I feel like a few, a few people went for things related to memory. I mean, I know I did, but I, also... I think, like, yeah, there was, I, I think that's, like, was... baked into the, the genre, though. Like, I yeah, think because I mean, it's such a such a mappable thing to, like, the hardware of a mech, right? You know? Mm. Yeah, I it's... think there was one that was about being technicians going through the memories of a machine. Right. I know um, Echo seemed really, really cool. Uh, I think I bought a copy of that. I mean, I bought all everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, to me, the, the sort of thing that I wanted to, to really evoke was, was loneliness, definitely, is one of them. Uh, especially with how sparse everything is. It, it does kind of give this, like, melancholic vibe, I feel like. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that something about, something about, I didn't want to do um, the kind of connection between mech and person. Because I feel like, I feel like, there are people who can do that better than me and who have done it better than me. And what I wanted to explore was, was more almost not even the feelings of the mech, but just kind of how a person looking from the outside interfaces with that idea. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. So you're talking about how the how the player interfaces with the mech's perception of yeah. events. I, I think it, it's a very like player person um, oriented experience. Yeah, that's an interesting place to focus on. Um, did you? Yeah, I feel like for your game and the way that you're talking about it, it feels like yours is less a. Um, I'm doing a thing that is this mech anime because a lot of them, like there are a few of the ones in the uh, Emotional Maker Game Jam that felt very much like I'm doing this particular sub story informed by this particular trope. Like there's, you know, um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's the one about being two people in love and then you find out that you're both each other's rival pilot uh, as you're fighting. Right. Um, and then there's DC's plot armor that is oh, it's about so good. being the protect for discovering you're the protagonist of a mech anime, um, and you know doing recaps of the episodes of your anime because it's a journaling um, RPG. Um, and so and like that one, like it was very obvious to me what that one was trying to evoke because it's on the cover right yeah i don't know how dc did that (laughs) i think um i think the cover work was actually done by uh by mikey Um, oh so it might be like fan art i don't i don't remember i'll I'll, I'll have to ask him about it it looked so much like it was just a screen grab or a promo photo that had been recolored um i'm here for it it's just i was like i I think it looks i think it looks great but oh yeah it looks great i was just like how is that not <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think if you if you uh, alter the image enough, it it should be fine. Um, also, like sunrise isn't tracking down bootleg. Right. Exactly. You did a Gundam, and now we're here to to boot you to hell. Copyright yeah. hell. Um, I I definitely agree that I saw a lot of people um doing stuff based on on anime, and I think that would be very. I, I I wouldn't say it's like easy for me because I don't actually watch a ton of mech anime, mm. but I also think that to me I wanted to make a game about something that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. I guess um, yeah, something no, that indeed. I wanted to see. I think that I think that that was like the best stuff is where where it was. This isn't this isn't necessarily something we've seen, but it's something that we should have seen. This is something that should have been portrayed like. It's right. weird that there aren't more mech, like considering how much there, there is plenty of anime and genre fiction in general about people falling in love with machines, but there aren't really, to my mind, any anime where the pilot is genuinely in a romantic relationship with their mech. Yeah. And so like, that's the part of the story that, interests me but then i mean um there was a game i played the other day um what was it called reclaimed that is about being this mech waking up after some amount of time left alone and now you're in a new world and you're trying to survive in it and that very much evoked to me kind of um i think i talked about it at the end of the episode it I ended up being like, this is short circuit. This is kind of short circuit, except you're a mech. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm Johnny five, the giant 
war machine woken up without my pilot um so yeah i think the best stuff that came out of that is the stuff that you're talking about where it's like this is this is a thing that we haven't necessarily seen in the mech genre but still like it fits it feels like it's a thing that we should have seen if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah I would say as far as uh, inspiration goes, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty subtle about the way that um, my influences kind of uh, show up in my work, usually. Mm-hmm. But this game, I think a lot of it pulls from feelings that I had while playing uh, Nier Automata, actually. Okay, that makes sense. I'm not super familiar with that game, but like I understand the basic themes of it. So yeah, that's cool, though. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a that game's like a lot about being a, in a like apocalyptic setting. I think. Okay, uh, it is very very complicated, and it is also one of my favorite games just ever. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But yeah, I there there is something that is very um, sad and very beautiful about it because it is it takes place on Earth way after most people have just died. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have the like reclaimed buildings by nature and like the buildings have crumbled, but there's trees everywhere. So that's a little bit what I was, what I was thinking like aesthetically. Um, but obviously my game is a little bit browner. It's a little bit more rusty. Um, it's almost a little bit farther, I guess. It's kind of weird to say, um, but yeah, definitely similar feelings. Um, I, I don't think I took anything wholesale. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's interesting how, the the smaller and more focused almost a work is the more you can just bring across a feeling like you know this is a similar mood to that game it's not but it's not necessary but it doesn't like talk about that in any sort of thematic uh, any sort of setting way like it doesn't do draw those direct parallels it's just this is in the same emotional space as that. Um, and right. I feel like I, that is easier to do in a game of this size than like if you made a sprawling standard adventuring uh, RPG, like you, that wouldn't, that would, if that felt like near, it would feel like near because you put a bunch of descriptive text in it. That just right. in in the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I also, I also think, I mean, that's kind of the problem that I have with, like, sort of generalist systems that I, I think a lot of, um, as, as far as kind of an emotional experience goes, uh, I, I think it is much easier to resonate if your experience is a lot more focused. There was a, there was an, a conversation between uh, two writers, uh, Kazo Ishiguro and Oe Kenzaburo, and they were talking about how um, they're writing very specific experiences from their own lives and that seems to resonate a lot better and have and hold a lot more meaning for more people than if you had written something that was intended for the lowest common denominator. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I think we, I think a few months ago, I mean, it probably comes up periodically in RPGs, like design circles and stuff, but I definitely remember a few months ago last year, there was a, or maybe it was earlier this year. I think it was last year. There was like a big discussion about how you should just make, like make your niche game, make your game yes. specific yep. and about that thing. And like, um, I mean, I was kind of already doing that, but like that was so, that is such a freeing permission to be like, uh, like just do, 
telling the story that like is the most interesting to you rather than focusing on making it all these other things. I did like one interview about my upcoming mech adventure game um, a while ago. And someone was like, Oh, do you reckon you could do like power Rangers with it? And I'm like, you could, but you <laughs> would essentially be designing a new game. So you might as well do a new game. It right. Does like, that's not gonna, it, you could, don't um and and that 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 focusing in on the actual specific things that appeal to you i think is like really important and like focused experiences i'm so more interested in games where in games where you play <laughs> my fucking brother's dog is barking at the back door, um because the children have all gone to school but uh yeah like games where you have to play a specific into a specific type. So like in D and D you can be all these different wild adventurers in blades in the dark. You are thieves. You live in the city of Duskvoll. You are trying to make ends meet doing criminal stuff. There's no opportunity to step you by putting boundaries on someone. You are able to create more interesting stories. Um, this is why when I do play things like even Dungeon World, like I will try and do make it a focused experience. I think the last time I played yeah, Dungeon World, yeah. I was like, we are all soldiers that signed up to invade another country and we lost that war and now we're stranded in that country and we're trying to get home. <laughs> That's the premise. Everything else will set up as we go, but you all know each other because you were all part of this invading army. Like you were all various people that had reason to join this crusade against this other country and it did not go well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely picking up what you're putting down about the focused experience. I'm here for it. Um, well, we ended up talking about a lot more than I thought we would. <laughs> Uh, we had a wonderful conversation. Um, I enjoyed it so much. Um, I wanted to sort of close out the interview by talking about what kind of work you might have coming up in the future. Like, do you think that you might be putting out um, any games soon or like what kind of work are you, what sort of stuff are you making for your podcast and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in terms of my podcast, we, it's actually kind of funny. We, we've run into some scheduling issues because um, summertime apparently is just a nightmare for scheduling. But we have episodes coming every two weeks, so bi-weekly, um, even though I hate that word because it's very ambiguous. It could mean either Fort, of the things you're thinking Fortnightly. of. Fortnightly. Fortnightly. Oh, yes. That is it. That is it. It's interesting when you look up Fortnite online, often dictionaries, because they're biased towards America, will say that it is an archaic word. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's used in plenty of other English speaking countries. Fortnightly means it happens every two weeks. That's beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to use that one from now on. So there's a fortnightly podcast about uh, modern visual culture, which can be anything from anime to video games to uh, we talked about the concept of Twitch.tv. Interesting. The concept of it. That's wild. Uh, and we did an episode about a webtoon that I dearly love. And yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing you can, you can expect. Um, I take my perspective to it as, um, as somebody who 
has just recently graduated from from um, my uh, my university uh, mm. with a degree in literature. So <laughs> there you yeah. go. Cool. I'm, I'm all up in that. Um, and what was that called? That, uh, what? What oh, was the podcast called? It is called the Absolute Territory Podcast or the Atcast. You can find it most places where you can find a podcast, like iTunes, Google Play. Uh, I think we're even on Spotify now, though it's a little hard to track us down. I just put uh, Insert Quest here on Spotify the other week because a, f- uh, a fan was like, oh man, I want to... I want to listen to it while I'm doing this road trip to my new house across the yeah. country. And I'm like, all I right. Didn't, I never realized that Spotify did podcasts, but I guess, I guess people just, just go there for, for it. Um, I knew Spotify did podcasts, but I thought that it was way more curated than that. Cause I know that they're trying, they're essentially trying to get you to pay for podcasts. Cause it's if like, you, it's like pseudo curated. Yeah. Cause if you have Spotify premium, you can download the podcasts to your, uh, to your listening device. And I'm like, you can do that with podcasts already. Spotify. You're <laughs> right. You can people, do that with any podcast. You're making people pay for a feature. That is literally the reason podcasts became popular. <laughs> and that's wild. That's like, Oh, selling ice to Eskimos, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which you know? is a pretty offensive idiom, to be honest. But uh, I couldn't think of another one in a, in a split second, so I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. Um, yeah, and so that comes out fortnightly. Yeah, it comes out fortnightly um, every other Friday. Yeah. yeah. You can find the Twitter for that at AbsoluteCast, which is probably just the best way to really find it. Honestly, I, I don't think I got around to updating the pin tweet, so we'll get the Spotify link up. It'll be fine. Whatever. Um, other than that, I am, I have some games that I, <laughs> and I talked about this earlier. I have games completely written up and, and basically finished aside from the, the formatting work. So yeah, I might try to get some of that up, um, on itch in the, in the coming weeks before I, uh, am like heavily employed etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i was somewhat um, surprised that you don't have that um as i imagine the falling rain is available for free um yeah yeah normally fair but i was like wow i mean this i would pay for this i would at least pay zine prices for this you know i'd pay between five and fifteen dollars for this yeah i mean that's that's very that's very reassuring to hear um i I put it up for free just because it was you know part of a jam i didn't Mm -hmm. um obviously i did put you know thought into how it was designed and the layout work of it but um to me it was just kind of like well this is a thing that i've done for this this event right and i'm not necessarily looking to get paid for that um but I definitely, I definitely agree that like people should be willing to pay for for tabletop stuff. I think my other game is like five bucks or something. Ah, uh, from memory, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I would, <laughs> I would implore you to check out my other game because uh, I think the formatting work on it is pretty good. Well, um, let's have a look. See here at it uh, while I'm on your page. Um, do, 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 do. Yes, it is five for five dollars. First contact. Um, how many players is it for? This is for two to three players. Um, three right, players if you would like to. play that next week. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's three players if you want to include a GM, um, which can be helpful because, uh, you might want someone to play your NPCs, or you might just ask the other person at the, at the mm. table to play. So, 
there's there's that. Anyway, um, yeah. aside from that, I'm, I was thinking of putting some actual poetry on itch, um, like a poetry bundle. Yeah, um, I mean, with, I did a zine on there um, recently that I have purposefully obfuscated, whether it is a game or a genuine spell to summon a demon. You know what? I dig it. I dig it. I didn't even tag it as a game, even though that would have got it more um, views. I didn't want to ruin the verisimilitude that I was going for artistically. Yeah. So I yeah. just tagged this as, as a uh, scene um, and have done, have worked pretty hard to not call it my new game. I've just called it my <laughs> new project. My new thing. Yeah, and rather than I created this game, I've described it as I have written, I have translated this document. <laughs> um, but yeah, where where are other places people can find you if they want to follow more of your work? Do you have a well? Yes, uh, my Twitter is literal soup. Um, as is most most things, most platforms I'm on, it's it's a literal soup. And if you wanna, I don't know, look at me shit posting about Fire Emblem, I guess. <laughs> Uh, that that's where you can where you can do that. Um, I don't imagine that I'm like on very much else other than itch Twitter and you know doing the podcast. So fair, yeah. Um, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I was really uh, impressed by your uh, the way you talk about your game and also the way that you used your uh, academic training to kind of uh, reiterate points about it. I thought that was really cool. Um, if you uh, enjoyed listening to this interview and you would like to hear others like it, uh, we regularly do interviews with game designers as well as other game makers and other industry individuals. Uh, you can find that by clicking on the interview tag or the interview category, depending on what site you're on. Uh, and that will take you to all of our interview stuff. We also have an interviews playlist on Spotify. Uh, and yeah, we do those somewhat regularly. It is the, it is a large contingent of our content now. Um, other than that, please check us out on all of the platforms where you can find uh, podcasts and do consider supporting us on Patreon or buying my games on itch. Uh, you can find links to all of that stuff down below, including the things that Soup has mentioned. Uh, and other than that, I just want to, yeah, reiterate my thanks for you for coming on the show on somewhat short notice. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, yeah, and thank you all uh, to our listeners. But for now, farewell from the past. I'm Ray. <laughs>